Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. Happy days, my beautiful friends. Ashley here, and it's another week for a Busy Mumsy Chat. Today, we welcome Laura Black onto the show. Laura is a qualified speech and language therapist. She has worked for the NHS and multi-academy trust school teams to provide support for preschoolers and school-aged children in mainstream settings and communication. Laura is passionate about empowering others to support children's communication skills and specializes in training parents and teaching staff to support children's phonological awareness, memory, vocabulary, early language development, and access to the curriculum. I'm thrilled to welcome her onto the show as I, for one, sought treatment as a kid for my speech issues. And I'm not going to lie, saying seashell seashells down by the seashore used to be a mega nightmare for me. But I did the work and I got through. Alrighty, let's dive on into this week's busy chat. Before we get started with this week's show, I want to welcome and give some love to a fab Busy Mumsy sponsor, the new free sustainability app, Nudge. We are all transitioning with the kids to that back-to-school vibe, so we are all taking on a different routine, so why not make the family routine about sustainability? Using an easy, quick and assisted app that can have the entire family involved and accountable. The new free app that empowers you and your family to live a more inspired, more sustainable in the long term, one small nudge at a time. Oh, I get it. I know what you're thinking. Ashley, are you out of your mind? I'm too busy. Well, my friends, you won't be busy if this world combusts. Our work needs to start now. Alrighty. I want you to pick up your phone, go to the app store, search for nudge. That's N-U-D-J if you need a little extra nudge with the spelling. You are going to download it. Take it in. Oh, wow. Challenges. Find a friend. How to track. There is so much to learn. And trust me when I say knowledge is power. Now, before we get all caught up in the fabulousness of the new sustainable app Nudge, let's dive into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Laura Black, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I, I'm so glad that we finally figured out the scheduling. And <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was so, so nice to meet you in real life at yep. a birthday party, a mutual friend's birthday party a few months ago. And we have just been chit-chatting away via yeah. the good old social media. And here we are finally, you on the show to just chatty chops it up. <laughs> that is her Instagram handle, Chatty Chops, but we will get into all of that. But let's like really talk first 
about a birthday party because I found it scary. Maybe you go to a lot of kids' birthday parties, but for me, like that was my first in real life, using quotations, because I'm sorry, we, we were living in a Zoom life for two years. Yeah. So that was scary. Yeah. And I would say it was our first proper um, big or not even big, normal birthday party, I guess, because I had something for Neve for her second birthday, but we kept it small in the garden, you know, a few um, family and friends round. Um, but yeah, we haven't had anything like that before. And Neve goes to nursery and we're still at the point where we're like, do we have a birthday party and invite her friends at nursery? It feels a bit, it feels a bit weird because we haven't even met many of the other mums there. So yeah, to attend like that birthday in real life and um, it was so beautiful. Wonderful. It was so nice. Yeah, it was like so filled with love and everything. But I honestly, okay, I, I guess I have to confess that I get really anxious and nervous in party settings. I just, and I, I, I guess you wouldn't believe that because my background is from entertainment. Yeah. But I honestly am like, I like cave inside. I'm kind <laughs> of like known to be the first one to go home. And I can vividly remember my husband reminding me multiple times the week <laughs> of, you're going to the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I, I already got the gift. No, 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 Ashley, you're going to the party. <laughs> it's not on Zoom. <laughs> not on Zoom. I, the driver has been set because we, we didn't train it there because um, it was outside central London. And we, we ended up taking a driver and he was like, it's all set up. You're going to the party because I know I know you and I know exactly like how you will be. And you'll, be, you'll tell me tomorrow that you sent the gift. <laughs> so it was like gold stars. We went to the birthday party. You and I met and I met a lot of lovely people, but my anxiety of, you know what it is too. I think, and I, I would love to hear your, your side to it. That feeling of anxiousness as mm -hmm. a new mom mm -hmm. and really trying to figure things out constantly, right? Just like oh, really yeah. trying to figure it out. And do you find that that kind of like teetered in at all for you within the birthday party? Oh, do you know what? It's just so, it's so nice and refreshing to hear you say that because you're right. I would never have guessed that you felt anxious when I met you there at the party. Um, but I felt exactly the same. I didn't know many other people going at all. Um, but also... I generally am like that before new things anyway. I'd say I'm quite a sensitive, quite an anxious person anyway. So any new thing or any big event, I really have to have words with myself as well. And I find it even more difficult because Neve is so um, shy. And I don't know how much of that is just her personality um, or if it is due to lockdown as well, because obviously you know for the first what like five six months of her life we couldn't go anywhere um she was born in April 2020 it was literally bang in the middle of that first lockdown um and yeah I I had moments I had moments where I was okay with being able to go out again and then I had moments of real fear and I think the worst was going back to work because I work in schools and my husband luckily is a teacher and had that 
kind of insight into school life. And so I had had his side of the story of, you know, this normality that was going on in school. Whereas, you know, in the months leading up to me going back to work, we had another lockdown and I couldn't go anywhere. So I literally went from lockdown to bam, now you're going to see hundreds of children. So that for me was the worst part. But really talking through to my husband who was in that, you know, normal environment, that really helped to to reassure me. And I, I feel quite lucky that I was able to get back into that and Neve had to go to nursery and um, you know that was just the way it had to be and I think that because we were forced into that situation it kind of helped whereas if I had the choice I think I would have been a lot more hesitant and not just you know thrown ourselves back in there but I think there's still a difference between you know going back into your old routine pre becoming a mum and then going out and about with friends and you know being a mum you've got a new circle of friends as well don't you you've got like loads of new mum friends and trying to navigate that was kind of I'm weird trying to as well. Well. <laughs> you Laura I mean I, I met you at that birthday party and I was like score I got a friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so hard isn't it because yeah, you're forced to meet these people that, you know, you would never cross paths with normally through your right. children. Um, but so it's obviously great. I mean, you know, the people that I've met, it's just been amazing. Um, Massively. And their experiences. Right. And then that anxiety, you know, makes you think about what your child is going through as mm-hmm. they progress forward, right? right? And how they're growing and how they're developing. And which then it leads me in to discussing milestones in a child's development. And for the Busy Mumsy listener, Lara Black is a speech therapist. She is a speech expert, a pathologist. In America, we call it a speech pathologist. Yes, same thing. (laughs) Okay. Well, just, I mean, I'll tell you now, I actually went to a speech pathologist as a child. Ah. I um, had a lisp and I stuttered. And um, so I went for, from, I want to say it was third grade, clear up to sixth grade. I went um, in school. I had twice a week, I got pulled out of a class and I had to go to special studies. And what was your experience of it at that time? You know what? Um, I loved it because it got me out. (laughs) It always pulled me out of like really like, probably like science and math. And I was like, get me out of here. But (laughs) you know, we had like this, like, it it was like a a little click of us, if you will. And it was like Garrett Suddeth and Drew and Rob Zumbrunnen and Kylie Taylor. And we were just like, you know, this little group of us that we literally went all through school together in this particular course. And, Mm -hmm. you know, by the end of it, we got better and we're very well aware of it. But, um, you know, enough about me. I want to (laughs) get to... With, with what you do with being back to school and mm. we're going back to this kind of like in real life and, and all of yeah. that and teaching kids. Have you found that coming from out of COVID into real life with children, those milestones with speech, are they under slightly underdeveloped now because of the you know the traumas that we all went through for two years oh it's without a doubt had a huge impact 
Um, but I guess it's probably had an impact in maybe different ways than people would um, first of all think. So everybody thinks, you know, wear masks have, have caused speech and language delays. Um, yeah, they probably haven't helped children who have uh, hearing impairments and, and things like that. But actually, there's a lot more to it than just the mask wearing. There's the social skills um, the, you know, exposure to different environments, which brings with it um, being able to hear different words being used. So children's vocabularies might be impacted because they, they haven't had those life experiences, those different contexts, going to the park, going to the seaside, going to the shops, hearing all those different words, which, you know, as adults, we might only talk about in those contexts. Um, meeting different people, you know, Neve was massively affected by the you know that inability to just mix with different people and she is she's just so painfully shy um and still is to some extent and you know I'd say her social skills is probably you know her weakest area of communication because perhaps she is just shy but perhaps actually it was not helped by the pandemic but on the flip side energy your way (laughs) my child is like times 1000 not shy yeah she likes to be the loudest one in the room yeah maybe she's just like making up for lost time (laughs) maybe maybe but that's what I mean sometimes it's difficult to know isn't it what is down to personality and what is down to the you know that experience but on the flip side if you're taking the onus away from the child and what they have experienced. I think the flip side of that is what they haven't been able to um, access. And we know that early intervention is really crucial for children who have speech and language delays or difficulties or disorders. And during that year or two years, the ability to access specialist services or face-to-face appointments was pretty much non-existent in a lot of areas or it was very inconsistent in lots of different areas in the UK and I think that has made a lot of um, things maybe exacerbated if that makes sense so a child that might have been picked up kind of has been missed and that's the most worrying thing for me is that they're coming to school and they actually haven't had that early support. Yeah and for for that, you know, mom, dad, that's, you know, looking at their child and maybe they don't have the luxury of going to daycare and yeah. they are at home and they're not interacting as much with children. Are yeah. there signs that we should be looking for with our child within the interaction that would, would go, you know, click that light bulb. Oh, maybe we should go seek some, you know, yeah. therapist like yourself that can help. Yeah, absolutely. So as speech therapists, we use um, milestones, communication milestones. And again, these are a bit of a sensitive subject because they're there to make parents or to inform parents, help them feel confident in knowing what to expect at each sort of stage of their child's development. But uh, on the flip side, they can be quite worrying to parents, can't they? You know, all of these questionnaires, all of these things you get from the health visitors. Sometimes you look at them and think, oh, no, they're not doing this that means something's wrong or what have I done or what's wrong with them and I think we need to approach milestones quite carefully so we have got milestones um, on our April College Therapies website you can download a free communication milestones checklist so it's got kind of key milestones on there it talks about babbling early on it talks about 
communication skills that you would want before children even say words. Um, you know, it's got key milestones like at uh, 18 months, we usually look for children to be saying around 20 words and what counts as a word can actually vary quite a lot. You know, it can be animal noises. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, fully formed adult sounding words. Um, and as a rough guideline, age two, we would look for roughly 50 words and for children to start putting those two words together to make little phrases like mummy up or daddy gone or um, throw ball or something like that. So, so I, I, I have to say that Addie is two and a half and I, I need her to say, so if you've got tips for this, <laughs> um, daddy, pick your socks up. Ah, uh, yeah. Daddy, put your shoes away. <laughs> or just daddy. daddy. Clean the table. Yeah. <laughs> Those three sentences would like make my life really epic. So if you have tips on that, Laura, I'm I'm all ears. Uh, role play is a great one. Doll's house. If she loves doll's houses, keep saying it when daddy doll's doing something and you never know. Then she might just repeat it back to him. <laughs> my ears are crossed for this because I'm, I'm now going to start turning her into like she is my wing woman, but like. We got to go next level wing woman now. And she's really got to back me up on, on this. So yeah. with poor speech, with, yeah. with those kind of moments of seeing, oh, my child is not making the complete sound or they are being too shy and they're, re, you know, they're, they're resisting yeah. and pu pulling back. Could this be, and I, I, I am a mother that allows my child to use a dummy, is the pacifier for any, anyone else, you know, in America that's like, what is a dummy? <laughs> um, I didn't know until I moved over here. Uh, what, do you think that that causes speech issues? Oh, it's such a sensitive topic. This oh, but we're going to talk about it. I know. Um, <laughs> and I want to start by saying that Neve is a dummy user as well. And, you know, we had a little chat about this today. I was made to feel incredibly guilty at a dentist appointment today. It was Neve's first ever dentist appointment. And um, I only allow her the dummy now for sleeping. And it's been that way for uh, probably about a year. I would say, since she was about one. Um, but yeah, she still has it for naps and for um, sleeping that in general. Comfort. That comfort, yeah. And do you know what? It clicked because the minute she started sleeping well, the dummy was there and, it, you know, I needed it for my sanity. I needed it. I need her to have a good rest so that I could rest or I could get on with things. Um, I high five you for acknowledging that and saying I needed yeah. it. We, we yeah. do <laughs> there's so many times that we stop and go oh no no I, I I'll just deal but yeah. no, no it's sanity yeah and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do as a parent just to get through the day because it is not easy um but something the dentist did bring up today which is something that I probably suspected and I do preach about anyway is that it can alter the positioning of your teeth for one so that was what she was looking at and she's like mm, you know it might it's starting to um, create a slight gap in between her teeth, um, which, you know, is devastating to hear as a speech and language therapist. But what I usually say to parents is after one, you know, when your child is starting to talk and, and 
and trying to make those noises when they're relaxed and they're happy and it's during the day just pop that dummy out and let them um talk freely without it in their mouth because what it can do if it's in the mouth while they are talking is it pushes the tongue back into not a very natural position so words that children might say at the front of their mouth might actually then end up being said at the back of their mouth so sun which your tongue's near the front um, right. might come out as like gun and um, so that's one speech pattern that we it's quite typical in children who use the dummy a lot it's that thing called backing where they're backing all of the signs and that's not quite you know the, the pattern that we're looking for the other issues you know like I said the dental um, side of things where the teeth physically change shape and you can sometimes see it in children who suck their thumb quite a lot as well yeah, I was gonna like ask you about that yeah. <laughs> like okay she she never has reached for the thumb no neither has Neve. Yeah, she's just had the dummy and it's been comfort. Mm -hmm. And now when like when we give it to her in the evening to kind of go, oh, this is relaxed, quiet time. Yeah, yeah. We still a bit chatty, chatty. So we make her take it out to talk. Yeah, we still yeah. Dummy, take out and she'll take it out. And she's like such a madam. And she'll just be like, <laughs> and, she'll, like pop, and then she'll like pop it back in. Yeah, as soon as they're done exact same with Neve, and I use the phrase all the time I'm like oh sorry I couldn't hear you you've got your dummy in your mouth can you take it out and tell Ooh, me I like that yeah um, like it's that. a good one but yeah after our dentist trip today I've we've we've talked to her and we've said you know um no more dummies now the dentist says that dummies aren't good for your teeth so we'll give the, the dummy to dentist and you know all evening she's been like uh I'm not have dummies dentist said no dummies Dummies have holes in teeth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. They make holes in your teeth. Dentist says no. Um, but yeah, my husband is currently still up with her. Um, well, I, I hope so. he, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sending all the positive vibes his way that he is, is handling um, well. So what would you say is the root for poor speech for children? So a lot of parents go for those physical things, don't they? They think dummy has caused it or mask wearing caused it or tongue tie is another quite emotive one um that a lot of people it's, it's actually around quite a lot at the minute i feel like um social media has has um really brought it to people's attention which is good in one uh, sense because more parents are looking for it now more parents are seeking advice on helping with their feeding journeys and things like that but more often than not, it's not a physical thing as in a structural thing in the mouth. It's actually to do with the brain and your neurological development. And there's lots of pathways going on. You know, brain development is just amazing in uh, preschoolers. But there's lots of things that children have to do to understand words to store the pattern of the sounds correctly to then retrieve it to then write a little motor program for their mouths and then saying it you know there's the science behind it is just amazing and it always makes me think wow like how does anyone actually learn how to talk <laughs> because it's such a yeah. complex process so what I would say to parents is that sometimes it's not um, a structural thing or often it's not a structural thing a lot of the time it's it's what's going on in the brain really and you know children 
developed at different rates and they developed different skills at different times. So, for example, Neve definitely did not develop her motor skills um, early on. She was quite late in developing those skills. Um, she never crawled. She was a bum shuffler. Um, she just took her time with everything. I could literally just sit her somewhere and she would just stay there and it was, you know, ideal. Patty <laughs> was teaching a defined class at like three months. So <laughs> I, I had the complete opposite, but that's the beauty of raising yeah. a child, right? It's exactly. always different for everyone. Yeah. So niece. Uh, communication and I won't say speech because it wasn't her speech that developed early her communication I would say was really great when she was younger I taught her baby signing she was using about 11 or 12 signs you know at a, around age one and they count as words as well and um, just for anyone wanting to know what else counts as words but yeah her speech came a little bit later and sometimes it's not necessarily when those first words come that's important like I said before it's it's Communication is a bigger picture. It's not just the words that we say, it's the gestures that we use, it's eye contact, it's body language, it's that understanding of language. Um, and I, I feel like it's just so important to keep saying that if parents are concerned, it's really important to talk to their health visitor about it, their local speech and language therapy service, whether that's the NHS or um, there's a lot of independent therapists like myself around at the minute as well. Um, and just talk to them and get that assessment and do it early because waiting lists, unfortunately, still are quite long. And, you know, the yeah. earlier on there, the better, because it takes a speech and language therapist to look at the bigger picture, I guess, to look at all of those different components, to think about that child's communication as a whole, not just the words that they're saying. And, and you know, a, a child can develop this at six, seven years old. This isn't something that can just be something that is just from birth. Am I correct in saying that? What, communication difficulties? Yeah. I mean, would you find different signs when a child is, you know, six, seven years old that they would, you know, that they're starting to struggle with certain com communication capability? Yeah. Well, I mean, you yourself talked about um, stuttering or stammering early. Yeah. Earlier. Um, yeah, that's certainly a thing that can develop later on in life from any time from you know preschool actually even into adulthood I mean it can develop at any time um, and again there's more research coming out about stammering the fact that it's neurological um, it's likely to have a family history there's lots of different factors in that as well so certainly things like that but what um, we are looking for as speech and language therapists which is really tricky to do sometimes is to try and work out which children are just sort of late talkers that just need that little bit of support to kind of get going and which are the children that are likely to need longer term support because if you think of language and school children learn through language don't they and every part of the curriculum is to do with language or reading or writing and even subjects like maths and science they still are heavily language based so you're you talked about you know older children having difficulties yeah I mean it, what is a language difficulty potentially early on then might present itself as a as a literacy difficulty later on in school as well so maybe children might be struggling to read or write they might have uh, smaller vocabularies um even things like dyslexia are linked with yeah, language as well yeah. 
I mean, we, I know that my parents had pinpointed it to my energy was so heightened at school, which was a whole other like ball game in itself. So the excited energy that I have definitely passed on to my child, (laughs) that excited energy would get me stuck on words. Or Mm. I, I know, like, I, I immediately, you know, coming into this conversation with you, I, instantly start thinking of seashells, seashells down by the seashore. Cause that was always <laughs> this, the, the thing I had to say at least once a week, because I, back then I was like, seashell, see, like I just couldn't. And I, I wanted to say it as fast as possible and get it out and be excited about it. Yeah. And so I, I've found from talking to my mom and now in hindsight, looking at it, I, I think it was coupled by my anxiousness and energy that I was just like, so overstimulated mm. that it just all got ahead of me. Yeah. Because I yeah. wasn't a thumb sucker and I wasn't, I didn't, I mean, I used a binky, a dummy, but not, not to an excessive point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's from therapies, you know, sessions that I had gone through in my earlier years, you know. Yeah, but it's it's amazing as to hear adults kind of reflecting back on it. And it's great to hear that you had a really positive experience as well, because, you know, some types of speech therapy, especially speech sounds, they can be quite dull and repetitive for a lot of children. So it's our job to kind of make it interesting and exciting and to want those children to want to come to our sessions, to want to do that work, but also to kind of be reflective, but not um, be critical of themselves and that's it's such a hard balance because especially as children get older they become very self-aware and we don't want to be giving them a complex about their communication we're trying to empower them and it's such a fine line it's such an important skill as a speech and language therapist and I don't think we're taught this necessarily at university but I think a lot of our work is really connecting with people on a personal level trying to support them and their emotions and their regulation and all of those other things while helping their communication because they're all linked aren't they if you're not regulated and you're not you know confident with your communication you're going to find that difficult so I feel like that's that's a really big part of our role but it's not maybe talked about a lot yeah and I, I was just thinking to myself as well do you find that music helps with therapy you know, that's a really interesting one. And right from early on, you know, we talk about nursery rhymes and singing and it's such a brilliant tool. Um, and it's used for stammering as well. So, yeah, it can be used as a great tool throughout the ages, I guess, um, and for lots of different reasons and types of therapy. So it's, I guess, down to what does the individual like? What do they find motivating? What do they find helpful and just working on a case-by-case basis really. So for that you know busy mumsy that is starting to see the signs Mm -hmm. what what are those top three things if they don't have the means to get you know that doctor's appointment because as you said it's just not very very tough to get in for anything so um and that's just the world that we're living in right now um what would be some you know your your top five tips of how to handle you know for that busy mumsy that just needs a little extra help with navigating something so new it's such a milestone it that is so new absolutely 
Well, I think first and foremost is to just take away that parental guilt. Just take it away. It's not your fault that your child has communication difficulties. You didn't cause it. Um, so just park that somewhere else because that is the main thing that always comes across. You know, I've got parents sending me messages or parents that I meet in initial assessments and they've said, you know, we've tried this, we've done this, we don't know why this isn't working. And they're just at the wit's end because they don't know where to go and they don't know what they've done. And the answer is you haven't done anything. Your child has a, a specific difficulty with something and they can be supported through um, the work that we do. So you guys as parents aren't speech and language experts. Why would you know exactly what to do? The same ways if you had a medical problem, you wouldn't, you might try and treat it yourself if it was a minor thing, but actually if it was a bigger thing, you wouldn't beat yourself up about not having the knowledge to treat it. You would go to a doctor who can give you that specialist support to deal with it, wouldn't you? So I think that's the main takeaway that I would want every parent to have is to just stop feeling guilty. And I mean, it's always a, that thread that kind of goes just with parenting, right? Oh, I know. I think, yeah, we feel guilty about everything, don't we? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's finding a, a little less guilt and a little more grace for, the, yeah. for each day and take it as it come. And for that busy bumsy listener, um, Laura Black's information is also in the show notes. So please head there and you can always head to her Instagram, DM her. Um, you had the online courses as well, which is fantastic um, that, you know, yeah. anyone can deep dive into from the comfort of their home. So uh, I can't thank you enough. And I'm so glad that this all finally worked out. Yes, <laughs> Happy on the Busy Mumsy podcast. You have a beautiful, wonderful day, Laura. Thank you so much. You too. It was so lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.